0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh
1: it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Hello, so we've reawakened after the international snooze break. FPL managers saw their beloved team's return to action, so we're back to talk about this weekend's Premier League games. I must warn you in advance that this may be a little bit shorter than usual, with me recording and editing this in between sunning myself on the Algarve and negotiating with my girlfriend to let me do WGTA stuff. Normal service for Zooms next week. I'm joined today from Blighty by Nick. Hola, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you, Tom.
0: Always glad to see the return of the football after that. Really long international break. Though, um, as usual, there were ups and downs this game week. I've also uh, pulled my wild card, so we'll be discussing that on on this week's pod. We are, of course, Who Got The Assist? You can find us online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And use Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe for the season. So go on then, Tom. What are we talking about today, other than my wild card, of course? Yeah,
1: so on today's pod, it's just the one theme for the reasons mentioned, uh, which is team value. I think that's quite an interesting one, just because we're seeing a lot of people uh, after Eden Hazard's impresario performance. And a lot of people have jumped on him just because he's rising. Uh, similarly, you know, Hoiberg just scored tonight at 4.4. 4, so we may see people jumping on him as well. So talking about that in the contextual wild card, I think makes a lot of sense. But then move on to our regular features and, of course, move on to the questions. Yeah, for sure. So uh, shall we start then with the game week reviews? Tom, how did you get on? Well, um, we we're recording during the uh, Southampton-Brighton game, but barring a goal uh, in the last 20 minutes from my man Shane Duffy, who comes off the bench for uh, one point now after uh, uh, Danny Ings has scored that penalty. Um, I'm on for uh, 64 points uh, this week. Um, did Pedro in uh, for Mkhitaryan? And I kind of wish I didn't, to be honest. I think it was just because I was worried about Eden Hazard. Couldn't quite get him in, so I thought, well, I'll give it a go with Pedro. Didn't quite work out. And to be honest, I should have I just rolled the transfer, Nick. I should have just um, you know kept. Nicky taken the one point and um and, and had the two FT this week. But you know, you live and you learn and it, it could have very easily, you know, if Pedro had got something for me, it would have been, you know, a, a transfer worth doing. So yeah, um, you know, I have sixty-four points, I've I've halved my rank, which is pretty damn good. Um, just also the top million I think I'm gonna end up after this week. Um not bad uh, not bad at all hopefully it'll be you know I'll, I'll be on again to to be on the rise so um so, so yeah a bit of a recovery week for me i'm just kind of hoping that my next set of transfers keeps me up with people like you who have wild carded so you have wild carded nick um yeah well, of course was, um, yeah i was going to say of course
0: the scottish messi uh, delivered for you as well ryan fraser following a brace so he's, it was finally, awesome. he's finally delivered after sort of You know, you owning him last season and him not doing anything, and then you owning him this season and seemingly being injured. So, yeah, we'll talk a bit more about Fraser in a little bit. I managed to somehow beat you, actually, even though I could have sworn you were going to thrash me um, this game week after Saturday. I ended up with 66 points, which, um, considering I didn't have um, the game week big scorers like Hazard and, and Fraser, I guess I have to be pretty happy with that. also managed to halve my rank. I'm about 550k now. Oh, are you kidding me? Duffy scored.
1: Yes! 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 <laughs> Woo! Has he actually? Yeah. Heather. you taken the piss? No. Oh, my God. That's just so... That's ridiculous. Right. And, um, yeah, sorry about that. Where were we, Nick? All right. All right. So, I'm... I
0: was just talking about how I'd, I'd beaten you this game week, but um, we've just seen <laughs> Shane Duffy score a header. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So... Yeah, nice you've got an extra few points there, Tom, which, um, of course, you appreciate, give you another little boost to your green arrow this game week. Oh. You've done pretty well, all in all. Yes. Looks doth, it, so.
1: doth man, doth man.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> good for you. Now it's 2-1. <laughs> um, we'll see if you can uh, score another in, in the final 20-odd minutes. But anyway, yeah, I think that uh, for me, the points uh, this game week came from Anatovic, um with a 12 pointer big um it was a big Sunday for me actually um Sigerson finally delivered for me with a seven pointer in that Everton West Ham um game uh Walcott of course blanked who I also owned uh, my other midfield differential also delivered David Silva with a 10 pointer I got a staple Aguero captain 14 pointer clean sheets from Knights of PVA and uh, Patricio but obviously the uh PVA cleanie was um, tempered, I guess, a little bit by the fact that I had Wan-Bissaka on the bench for a nine-pointer. So um, all in all, yeah, um, 66 points, pretty decent. Yeah, so it uh, looks like I've, I've actually beaten you now, Nick. Uh, I've got yeah. 71 after that. Uh, the impresario, <laughs> Duffy performance. Impresario, yeah. <laughs> I, so uh, that's a 71-pointer. Uh, so, that's a pretty decent week. Yes, yeah, 71 points and counting, let's say. Might, wow. You know, wow, I, I, uh, yeah. Might uh, be on for bonus as well, potentially. No.
1: I'd never, I think that's the, I had dunk last season for his only goal, so that's pretty damn good. I'm pretty happy with that. Right, okay, uh, let's move on to um, our main talking point this week, then, Nick, which is team value and the importance of team value. And I think that, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, moves being made very early, especially when we've, you know, revealing hazards, I mentioned earlier. The maze is there in terms of whether you do it now or do it later, whether you wait for, um you know, the team news, you wait for press conferences and you wait for other things. But at the moment, because of the Champions League and the Europa League, we have a bit of an issue that if you are bringing a player in just after the weekend, you, you do run the risk of having a player injured or something going on in the Champions League, which means that player, for whatever reason, you've brought him in, you're going to have to pay more points to get him out again if he's injured um, or other things may occur elsewhere on your squad. Um, and I think it's interesting to talk about, especially in the context of your wildcard.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think throughout the season, as we always show on Market Forces, you see a library of human behaviours. You see some people making those really early transfers, you know, trying to get ahead of the curve trying to catch the price rises and then you see a lot of people who are the opposite waiting for the press conferences and making their decision really last minute um, sort of on a Friday night or even possibly a Saturday morning and I think early on in the season I was a little bit of an advocate of making the early move trying to get the early rises but now with the um, UCL and UEL starting early transfers are full of risks I mean we're already seeing A few doubts this game week with the likes of Mendy, Aguero, and Ausvic all yellow flags. But with the international break, more yellow flags as well. And it seems the players like recovering quicker than ever. We saw Walcott basically, you know, had bruised ribs, but he was fine by the time the game started. We had Fraser, who, who also had heavy sales due to being a doubt, and of course, there was a Sterling's, um, you know, typical international break phantom injury, which um, turned out to be nothing because he was ready to play for Manchester City. But I think it for me, I think it both goes both ways. You may be worried, obviously, Aguero's injured, he might do an early swap for Lukaku because Lukaku's doing very well, but it could easily be the case that Aguero's fit for the weekend and Lukaku picks up a knock in the Champions League match, which rules him out for the weekend. So, I think. It is always best to wait for the press conference. Though I do understand the appeal, um, you know, of making those early transfers. For instance, many people might want to cash in on a Walcott possible fall. And sometimes, I guess for the good of the team, you have to
1: absorb that Walcott price fall or that hazard price rise. I think here that early on in the season when there weren't games in midweek that you'd be absolutely fine to take a risk early on to try to get those price rises. Now um, I'm approaching it a little bit differently because of the fact that there are midweek games in the European competitions and also in the cup coming up. I mean the cup coming up may mean that B team plays and for a few teams in the Champions League, for example, City have got Leon at home, United have got young boys away that we may see the B team playing there, and by B team I mean that equally good team that they've got who can come on and play in those fixtures. But there is a lot of risk involved. If you are moving players in, moving players around, if there is that midweek game, you always open yourself up to the possibility of something happening. I mean, people may be looking at Chelsea and buying Eden Hazard now. There is that Panathinaikos game um, away, I don't know whether Sarri is going to be playing Hazl or leaving him at home and hoping that Willie Ann and Loftus-Cheek or something can do a job. But at the same time, because that threat is there, that, that could potentially be the case. I mean, we, we sized our Charlie Austin example early season. Um, I think I'm being a lot more kind of cautious of early early moves now. Like I've got 101.9, I think it is, team value. And I think, you know, coming out of game the first four game weeks with that is pretty decent. I think that's enough for me to be able to kind of chill for a while and just kind of take the players in when I know they're going to be fit and know they're going to be ready on the Friday rather than doing it on the on the Sunday night or the Monday night and just hoping for the best going forward is that kind of where you are Nick are you still taking risks or is it more kind of around uh, making sure everybody's fit before you make moves well well this game week I've obviously got the
0: flexibility of the wild card so I can shift players around um to my heart's content I've got Hazard in on obviously early and if he does get injured obviously it will might be great that i won't lose out in in terms of having to make another transfer i think um with the price rises you have to be savvy you have to kind of check the fix out check your fpl statistics don't always have to wait till the friday you know often we've seen, you know, Sarri's press is rarely going to be very revealing um, in regards to whether hazard starts or not, you know, unless you're waiting for like last minute injury news. But even then we've seen the likes of Pock and Pep play their cards very close to the chest in terms of revealing the slightest nugget of information, which um, many will be waiting to hopefully hear about probably on Friday regarding Aguero and Mendy. And I doubt we're going to hear anything t- at all, to be honest. So I think, um, I think it's worth, you know, doing those early moves when you can, but being very wary if your team is going to be playing in the Champions League or going to be playing in the Europa League, perhaps wait until that fixture is over before you make the move, unless you, you really need to make that transfer because you've you you know, you've only got the budget right now. I mean, we've seen heavy sales for Salah, for instance, already, probably people doing Salah to Hazard swaps. And, and I think that's a little bit too early to make that move. Like we said, Hazard could possibly get injured. You know, it's unlikely, but there is that risk. And, you know, you don't want to be selling a player like Salah and then having to bring him back in quickly afterwards.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the press conferences as well. Like, it's obviously really, really interesting to hear what the manager's got to say. However, you mentioned Pock and you mentioned Pep. And these managers aren't the ones who are going to be sitting there with FPL managers, like kind of uh, hopes and fears in mind. They're not going to be clarifying who's fit and who isn't because it gives them an advantage if they're, you know, they'll they'll know the other teams are going to be listening to what they've got to say. So they're not going to be saying, oh, this guy's fit. I'm going to be playing him. I'm not going to be playing him, for example. But part of me kind of wonders, well as you say, it might be better to just kind of at the end of the Champions League, provided there are no injuries, there's always going to be an element of risk, but after those games are finished, it might just be worth making your move then, because you're not probably not going to learn anything else beyond that point. Like We saw with Ben Davis last year, Pochettino especially, like, he'd say nothing about Ben Davis in his press conference, and then, t- then he didn't show up because he was unwell all along. FPL Connect's article, for example, I always read on the Friday, and that's kind of the last thing I do before making a move, if I've held my transfer. But do you think the press conference is are actually as important as we kind of think they are as FPL managers? Well, sometimes they are revealing in terms of injury news. You
0: know, you do get those sort of nuggets of information, which can be very important for FPL managers. We're always you know, looking to source any any piece of information we can. It's always worth hunting down that little piece of information. You know, managers, like you said, they don't have FPL as their first thought when they're giving information. And he's not going to say, Aguero's fits. I'm starting him. I'm going to bench Marez. I'm, I'm going to start Sane <laughs> this time. You know, you don't get that level of information. Oh, if, if only... as, much as, as much as we'd
1: like it as, as managers, we have to kind of read between the lines to a certain extent. Okay. So, team value wise, then how does that impact your thinking like i've seen people who for example like tom kearney who i own dropped last night so i've seen a couple of people just got rid of him because they saw the drop was coming like, how important do you think that is that you kind of preserve that 0.1 over, you know, holding that guy? Because it came out afterwards today that he is, he's probably going to be fit for the weekend, hopefully. How important is it to you, do you think, to preserve that 0.1 rather than waiting for information? I think to a certain extent, it depends on your risk profile. And we've
0: talked about risk profiling on the previous pods, but so we won't go into too much detail this time around. But if you're like, um, you know, a risk taker, then you'll make the early move. You'll take that gamble. You'll you'll get Hazard in early thinking, you know what, I'm going to bring in this guy easy. he's likely to be fit. You know, I want to get, catch that 0.2 rise that's potential. And you might have a player like Salah who's also going to fall. So it ends up being a 0.3, you know, price change in total. And, and I think it makes sense to a certain extent, um, making moves like that. When we talk about later on in the season, how important it is to have that team value for your second wild card, and you can be talking about you know owning you know Hazard and Salah and Mane all in your team as opposed to having to sort of downgrade one of them to to fit in a couple of premium strikers and a premium defense as well. So, you know, when it comes to later on in the season, your wild card again having that extra team value is is pretty important because it allows you just to have a you know a really really good squad be a bench boost. So there is there is that sort of added benefit of taking those early gambles, but you can get caught out. And if you do take risks every game week, especially in weeks where you've got midweek fixtures, like the Champions League, you know, really important midweek fixtures, then uh, you, you might get caught out at some point. I mean, we've talked about being caught out before. We've called it the Austin Law. Other people have as well, with like Zlatan getting injuries midweek and Charlie Austin. Sometimes that risk
1: is, is worth the reward later on in the season. Uh, we used to say it was a difference between buying Oats and Sanchez back in the day for Arsenal, didn't we? And I, I think there was definitely some truth in that. It's just, as you say, making sure you have the balance right between the risk and the reward. And sometimes, as you say, the, the, the more risk you take chasing those risers, the more you open yourself up to the possibility of having to fix what you've done, either through I don't know, having 10 men one week if you don't want to take another hit, or you know, something with, with Charlie Austin where we had to take him out after bringing him in um, and having to spend four points to do it. I think 101.5 or something like that is a decent team value to have at the moment. And a lot of the time, you're going to be naturally accruing that money anyway, if you do have good players in your team. Which leads us nicely onto your wild card, Nick, because you're going to have players like Ben Mendy, players like Kun Aguero, who are probably the key representatives of your team value, right? So how do they fit into your wild card, and how is that currently shaping up?
0: So, Aguero and Mendy are still in my team. Obviously, they are yellow-flagged. I have thoughts about possible alternatives if either of them do get injured or declared out, but I still kind of want to hold both of them just because I think they're the best options out there in their positions and for their price. So, um, I'll go through the hosts in my team then. I'll, I'll run through the positions and, and tell you... Uh, tell you what my thinking is so if, if we start in, in goal and defense i'm going to do this as a little bit of a combination because um the goalkeeper decision is it's all sort of very much up in the air in terms of um whether i keep patricio or not and it, i know it sounds a bit crazy talking about um getting rid of patricio because he does seem like the best goalkeeper out there at the moment you know wolves at the moment they've they've had uh, only 18 shots on target conceding which is a fifth best in the league there's also uh, Watford out there who are joint third for shots on target conceded with only 14 so it's kind of a, I'm having a little bit of a debate of whether I go for Foster or whether I go for Patricio. the other options in goal just to quickly cover are Hart and Fabianski who are both leading the way with saves, um, 27 and 24 respectively. But I'm going to flip that on his head and say it shows actually how poor Burnley and West Ham have been defensively. And those two goalkeepers are going to have to continue to work hard if they're going to get any clean sheets at all. So I'd rather go for clean sheets over saves at that 4.5 million price bracket. I think Patricio is the best option, but I'm also thinking about a Wolves defender because of their price and their performance and whether I double up on Wolves is, is sort of the question
1: I ask you right now, Tom, in terms of what your thoughts are. So I I think Wolves have actually been very, very good, Nick. Um, In terms of the defensive stats, their team stats are pretty damn good. In terms of shots conceded in the box, the joint third least. Uh, Man City have conceded 19 shots in the box, Liverpool have 22. Wolves are joint with Chelsea, 25 uh, shots conceded in the box, which is pretty damn good. In terms of the expected goals conceded, Wolves are third third lowest in terms of uh, expected goals conceded, four which suggests that, as you said, Patricia is saving a lot of his shots as well, which seems to be saying to me that Wolves are restricting whoever's playing against them to long shots, which means that he is saving those. And they're not getting kind of the clean-cut chances that other, uh, other clubs are letting them have. Uh, Watford as well, i you mentioned Foster. Watford, the joint fourth, best that is, for shots conceded in the box, with 29, so four more than Wolves. And in terms of expected goals, they're also fourth, so 4.5, which is level with Chelsea. It seems to me that both of those defences at the moment are over-performing. It seems to me at the moment that it's worth having those one or both of those defences covered. In terms of doubling up on Wolves, I mean, Wolves have got coming up. So Wolves have got United up next, which is uh, obviously a little bit more worrying. But then they've got Southampton, Crystal Palace, Watford and Bryson, which are four OK games. I mean, would you be looking, Nick, at playing Bennett and Uri Patricio in every game or would you kind of have patricio there and then bennett may come on every now and again because that, that to me doesn't look too bad because bennett is a 4.0 he's mm. basically a 4.5 at this point
0: yeah well i'm actually looking at doherty instead of bennett but we'll, we'll uh, come on to that we'll come on to that in a second i probably would be playing him every other game in sort of a rotation with um, Wambasaka and it's it's a case of whether i would want to double up on on Wolves or not they are looking really good as you said but there are plenty of other options I think I'm I'm set on a 4.5 million goalkeeper that's certain I think it's Patricio versus Foster I mean there are other options we've got McCarthy who's just got yellow carded by the by the man in black but you know there's Begovic as well there's Matty Ryan but I think it is I think Patricio and Foster are the are the two best options I'm, I'm leaning towards just um Sticking to uh, Patricio and doubling up, actually, that's that's where that's my kind of way
1: of thinking right now. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I mean, if we look at these players as kind of individuals as well, rather than thinking that they cover, in inverted commas, the anathema to FPL managers of the team. And Doherty, his stats are ridiculous at the moment, aren't they? He's second to Alonso for attempts. He's had more attempts in the box than Alonso, seven versus six, more big chances than Alonso, two versus one, and two less pen box touches than Alonso. He's posting ridiculous stats for 4.4, 4, isn't he, at the moment? And he looks like kind of a player for 4.4 4. who is undervalued and should be pretty high on most people's list. I mean, if, if a player, I mean, obviously we've got five game weeks worth of stuff now, which is okay, that's enough to work with, enough to make assertions on. Um, if a player's doing that, then regardless of who he plays for, you've got to be looking at him. He's a bit like Wan-Bissaka, isn't it? The, regardless of who he plays for, regardless of what his price is, you've got to be looking at him and thinking, well, he's worth buying. Yeah, for sure. Like you
0: said with Doherty, he's posting ridiculous stats. He's had eight shots so far, which is a joint second. Um, Only Alonso's had more for defenders with 13. He's just, um, he's creating lots of chances. Same actually with um, Johnny, who's uh, kind of a little bit out of the picture because he's not been talked about as much, but he's also had six goal attempts. It was ridiculous actually. In that Wolves versus Burnley game, they had a uh, 30 goal attempts in total, um, which is the second highest for any team all season. Only Manchester City against Huddersfield have had more. Um, sorry, mate. I'm just going to stop for a second because they've got a penalty. Uh, Brighton have. Who got fouled? Duffy. <laughs> Did he actually? I think, yeah, I think so. You're kidding me. Murray just scored. So I think that might be a Duffy assist as
1: well. What? <laughs> Too old. <laughs> you legend, Duffy. What's a legend. Bloody I, uh, I am have... <laughs> so bad. rad. Do I want some toast with that jam? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's like almost as jammy as the club And That is so bad.
0: Anyway, so, anyway, so talking <laughs> about defenders, yeah. Now defenders,
1: uh, you're dying, uh, uh, Shane
0: Duffy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll put Shane Duffy in my team, considering he's just got you a goal and an assist. This this game week, you've had a brace from Ryan Fraser and a goal and an assist from Shane Duffy. I guess you would do some luck, to be honest. You've had a pretty torrid time for the last season, in a bit, haven't you? So, uh, that's, yeah. Uh, with all your missed penalties and everything else that's happened to you, so you know, uh, good for you. He's a relatively uh, low-owned player as well, so you know that will will do wonders, further wonders for your rank. Uh, well done. But anyway, yeah, I'm not I'm not looking at Duffy um, as my cut-price option. We were talking about the Wolves um, defenders, the fullback specifically. So Bennett was in my team originally at 4.1 because I was you know looking at going ultra cheap but i can stretch my budget without making any major changes um to because i had a little bit in the bank and i'm also making a, a midfield a midfield downgrade for my fifth midfielder um that i can afford uh, doherty so i think for me doherty is is the best option i just mentioned his his goal threat um it's the same for his distribution you know he's, he was creating lots of chances in in that last game as well you know obviously he got the assist johnny has um, Eight has eight, created eight chances so far this season. Doherty's uh, created six chances this season. So um, both uh, both Doherty and Johnny, I think are really good options as as fullbacks um, for Wolves, uh, wingbacks really, um, in their 5-3-2. It just seems like
1: Doherty is probably the man to have there at the moment because you've got the dual threat of the... Uh, chance creation and the heroics in front of goal Um, he's also made the most crosses of the two Wolves wing backs at the moment with 17 uh, which puts him in, in in the top 10 sort of thing uh, but it's all very positive for Doherty and I think that he's definitely is looking like you know somebody who's going to make a mockery of that 4.4 price uh, price point because we also at the start of the season well Wolves can they get to the top eight probably can to be honest but looking at how they played against Burnley like they could have had a lot more they're just very wasteful from uh, looking at the the highlights. Who else on your team, and Nick? So we know you've got Patricio, you've got um, Doherty. Uh, run us through with the rest of your defence.
0: Yeah, so there's not really been much change in the defence, to be honest. Um, uh, Robbo stays, Alonso stays, as does Juan bissaka um, Mendy's still there for now, though there is the possibility if he is out for a while, that I could potentially downgrade him to Trippier. But yeah, the only change is uh, PVA leaving the team with uh Wambasaka outscoring PVA uh, this game week i think it just shows that he's he's a little bit too expensive i um, mean he, he costs 5.5 for playing for a team that's you know not a top half team really um he does have attacking threat in the past but we're seeing that Wambasaka also shows a little bit of attacking um intent and he's only 4 point 1 or 4.0 at the moment so it makes imminent sense to to downgrade pva to doherty and it frees up 1.2 million pounds which can be spent elsewhere
1: yeah definitely i think the holy trinity at the moment it, despite this week only getting what two two well alonzo was robbed let's be fair and uh and, and mendy not playing i think despite that kind of low average this week i think overall at the moment having those three is probably a good idea because you're going to Covered some of some people who do have them. We've got a question on Robertson later on whether he's worth keeping, but they do look integral to their sides going forward, and that's a very, very good thing to do. and It definitely makes sense to get rid of PVA uh, from my perspective because that is money with Ram Bissaka there that you, you don't need to be spending on another Crystal Palace player. Moving on to the midfield, Salah stays for me.
0: He is experiencing heavy transfer outs, and we'll cover that a little bit later. In market forces. Um, I've removed him temporarily because it's possibility that he's actually going to experience a price fall um, this game week as well, but he stays for me. They've got Southampton at home up next. I'm actually tempted to captain the guy. Um, he's had 23 goal attempts so far, 16 inside the box. That's more goal attempts than any other midfielder in the game. Um, he's probably not scored as much as we'd like, but, you know, he, he's but the underlying stats are still very impressive for him. He's also had 40 penalty box touches, which is more than any other midfielder. Um, the, the relationship with Mane seems a little bit odd at the moment. There was a couple of opportunities when Mane could have passed to him and chose not to, uh, particularly a moment where Salah was through and Manny chose to pass to Cater instead of Salah. Oh, is, it's so bit, bad, it's so uh, bad, it wasn't was good good, yeah. you know, it, it? You know, there was a lot of angry people, a lot of abuse held in Mane's way. But for me, I think um, regardless of that point, um the underlying stats still very impressive for Salah. So I'm sure he's going to score soon. And especially with that home game up next, um against Southampton, I think that, you know, he's a captaincy option even with the midweek game. So I think for me, um I can afford
1: to keep him, so I will be keeping him. My main barometer, I think, for for most things, is is big chances, and we spoke about obviously Salah and missing big chances last year. He still had the most big chance of any uh, any midfielder with six, and um, oh, he's only scored one, so he's missed five. It's kind of Callum Wilson esque levels of uh, levels of conversion, but for most metrics, he's still top. Pen box touches, he's top, as you mentioned. Attempts, he's top. Attempts in the box, he's top. Minutes per chance. Among, amongst the kind of the players who are playing regularly, he's second to uh, Andre Schurrle, who is you know, the the shots machine at the moment. All the stats hopefully point to the fact that he's about to yield for all of his uh, his patient owners. Uh, I'm definitely envious of the fact that you can remove him, skip that, and all put one drop, and then put him back in again. Whereas I'm going to have to just 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 have to stomach that and um, hope that he um, returns against Southampton anyway. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. Um, The other person that stays in my midfield, we'll cover him um, quickly first. Is is David Silva? Um, With his eleven point um, return, he's managed to hold on to his slot. Uh, Manchester City still have a couple of really nice fixtures against Cardiff and Brighton. He's still he's still a decent differential to own as well. Um, You know, pretty reasonably priced. Um, We all know about David Silva. Um, Obviously, he's, he's a great player. He's, he's a Manchester City legend, really. He's had nine goal attempts so far, um, which is pretty reasonable for his price. Um, won the most in the Manchester City team and he's also created um, more chances than any other Manchester City player so far this season. So, you know, uh, yeah, David Silver I think he, I mean, he's actually, Silver's actually equal for Salah in terms of chances created so far for midfielders with 16, which is another point as to why Salah stays. He's had the most Joint most um, chances created, so um, yeah, David Silva stays for me as well.
1: Yeah, he definitely is one of the top man there. Um, so those are those two your only premium midfielders?
0: No, of course not. There's another man, Eden Hazard. So in the midfield, um, I, it wasn't talked about in the last pod, but I actually made um, sort of a, a random move bringing in Damari Gray because I, I fancied. I fancied um, his chances against Bournemouth, which was a bit of a mistake. I should have actually been looking at Ryan Fraser. So Ryan Fraser, who we refer to as the Scottish Messi, now comes in. He's he's jumped straight into into my team after that performance. Um, where the attacking axes of Fraser, King, and Wilson all managed to deliver attacking returns. And I felt like it was necessary to join the party and get a Bournemouth player in. Fraser's been overperforming expectations so far this season. He's created 11 chances, which is the fifth most um, in the Premier League for midfielders. And he's also actually top for big chances created with six, um, making him a bargain, I think. He's 14 for goal attempts. Um, with nine, seven, which have been on, inside the box, and four on target, and Bournemouth fixtures are great. They've got um, Burnley up next, then Crystal Palace, then Watford, then
1: Southampton, then Fulham. The beauty of Ryan Fraser, of course, is that the price point, there's not very much there at all. Um, no, I was looking, thank the Lord I didn't do it, <laughs> I was looking at doing a, a Fraser to Bertrand Trowere, wasn't I? Oh. And that, that would have been classic tongue. Um, to to do to do that and this would have been a very very different pod if i'd have done that oh, yeah for sure probably would have sacked off the pod and not have done it So I got very lucky there through keeping him. I mean, Bournemouth at the moment are fifth in the league, Nick. It's ridiculous. They've got 10 points uh, just below uh, the heavyweights of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City and Watford. (laughs) (laughs) But they seem to be flying high at the moment. As you mentioned, they've got great fixtures coming up. And Ryan Fraser at 5.7, I think he is now, 5.8? Yeah, 5.7. He rose last night, yeah. Yeah, 5.7 he is now. I mean, he's a little bit cheaper than Josh King and... uh, and Callum Wilson up front, and that that seems to me to be quite a good uh, a good option because if you kind of save the money on getting one of the two strikers in, and you can afford Mitrovic, you can afford Zahara or something like that, whilst kind of quote unquote covering um, that Bournemouth attack, which looks uh, pretty right for
0: points right now yeah for sure, and I think Ryan Fraser seems like the the best the best pick out there in terms of covering Bournemouth and covering cheap midfielders in general um but um we're going to talk next about another premium midfielder who I have in my team so that's obviously ease and hazard the everton the everton guys have finally left my team Tom um guess how many points I've managed to um, accrue from Everton players eight games worth of everton midfielders how many points do you think I accrued?
1: So is this before or after? This is our,
0: This is after Gilfie
1: Sigurdsson's <laughs> seven-pointer. After Gilfie Sigurdsson's uh, bullet, bullet header. Um, yeah. God, twenty-five.
0: Uh, no, seventeen. Oh god, that's yeah that's seventeen cool. points and that's after a seven pointer. So if Siggy hadn't got that seven pointer, I'd have been on ten points from eight players if he got a straight zero. So yeah, I'm getting rid of those Everton midfielders. I think I've owned all of them apart from Bernard, but um you know, yeah, it's time for them to go. Now it's uh Patrick Hero Hazard who comes in as a premium midfielder. So you know Setting the likes of PVA, downgrading him to Doherty, downgrading uh, Walcott to Fraser. I've managed to stretch the budget and um, swapped Sigurdsson for Hazard. So, you know, it's quite good money management, you know, in terms of getting another premium midfielder in and, and getting rid of some of these players that are just too, a little bit too mercurial and not performing enough. I think we talked about it on the other pods uh, previously. Um, in regards to wild cards, that uh, when, when a player emerges, you have to tell your team the part to get him in. Um, you've got to do your wild card. It's worth it. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at a minus eight. And um, for Tom, it was Kun. Uh, my expectation actually was that it was going to be Harry Kane, but he's, um, he still looks very flat. And um, it's, it's Eden Hazard. And I remember last season taking that minus eight to bring him in only for him to do Jack. And I fully expect him to repeat this because I have a very much a love-hate relationship with Eden Hazard every time I own him he goes through a massive run of blanking every game as soon as I sell him he of course starts scoring again I fully expect him to start blanking now but at least I didn't take a big hit to get him in I got him on a wild card so you know um hopefully it pays off and I think Hazard's really interesting this season actually um he seems to be playing a freer role by Sari. You know, the, quite, what Sarri saying about him is really interesting. He's saying that he could go on to score 30 to 35 goals this season. Sari said, I think Hazard can improve more. He can spend less energy 50 to 60 metres from the opposition goal. When we have the ball in our half, he touches the ball five or six times. This takes a lot of energy. He could score 30 or 35 goals. And this is, this is far, far away from, you remember, H- Jose Marino um, famously criticising him for not tracking back enough. And um, he never really seemed to fit into Conte's model either. But um, this season so far, he's actually an average of fifty-one point two touches in the final third compared to thirty-five point nine last season, and two point eight goal attempts compared to two point one. So it seems to be working wonders on his game, and he seems to be, you know, playing a lot more further forward and, you know, really opening opportunities up for himself. So I think he definitely looks like a, a player to own. I'm not going to jump straight on Richardson, Madison's another another interesting pick, um, but they've got Huddersfield at home up next, which is a really decent fixture. That they did look pretty shocking um, against Bournemouth and got turned over. Um, no, it's interesting that Madison seems to be on pens. The man actually that I was trying to fit in and would like to have in there somewhere, and I don't know how, was Lucas Moura. I think Spurs. I don't have any Spurs coverage, despite the fact that they've got Brighton, Huddersfield, Cardiff, West Ham um up next. I know they've just come off the back of two losses. Um we talked about the likes of Harry Kane not looking fit. But Mora's um had a really good start to the season. He's he's very kindly priced around seven point one. A lot of transfers in for him at the moment. And I think um you know he would be a good uh, player to own uh, but obviously um with those fixtures coming up but yeah obviously I haven't been able to fit him in. The, uh, the only one I haven't mentioned so far, actually, um, is my fifth midfielder. It was Billing um, at 4.5, but after Hoiberg's uh, goal tonight, I've swapped him out to Hoiberg, Hoiberg's 4.4, um, which actually frees up an extra 0.1 that could um, be useful somewhere um, for a guy who's going to sit on the bench most of the time. The fact he's scored a couple of goals, um, not that I'm expecting lots from him, is, is pretty decent. And Billing and Hoiberg actually are leading the way in terms of uh, shots at that price bracket. Um, not looking at Dale Stevens, who was the other 4.4 option, um, he he never gets forward and he never really gets into attacking positions at all, um, just gets himself carded like he did tonight. So I think um, bidding at 4.5 is interesting, but I think it's going to be Hoiberg at 4.4 um, to save the extra
1: 0.1. And your strikers then, Nick?
0: Yeah, so um, up front, I've still got Aguero. He stays for the moment. And there has been a lot of manipulation of data around uh, Aguero. You know, people saying, oh, he's only scored in one game so far this season. However, the fact remains, that was a hat-trick. He's still leading the way for goal attempts uh, by far for forwards with 25. He's also had more penalty box touches than any other forward with 38. And he's got a couple of great fixtures. So, you know, I'm not really thinking about getting rid of him um, with Cardiff and Brighton uh, coming up next. Obviously, he's got a knock, which I'm going to be watching out for. But, you know, Aguero is contributing um, also in the form of assists with three so far, proving that he's a team player. Um, he's setting up other members of his team rather than being selfish and taking the shot always himself. Um, and so far, he's created uh, 12 chances, which is the highest of all forwards as well. So all all the numbers, all the underlying stats, um are saying to me, keep Aguero.
1: Yeah, I, I'm completely behind that. And I think that you know, we got unlucky this week, I think, with Aguero. I, mean, I didn't see any discernible chances, and I was watching the highlights back. Um, but being able to keep ticking over that amount of points is pretty decent. And as you said, the amount of shots that City are having in the box at the moment, they are top, top for attempts in the box, I believe, amongst all sides. Uh, they've got Cardiff next week, and they've got a fairly decent amount of fixtures, as we know, uh, still continuing for now. And given the fact that he's the most owned player in the game, Sergio Aguero, um, I think that it would be foolish to get rid of him unless he, well, in the unlikely event that Pep writes him off.
0: Yeah, if he's written off, there's always Lukaku. You know, I'm always interested in Harry Kane as well, especially with the fixtures um, that are coming up. But and, he, and I think that would be too much of a risk. And I'd also have to fund a million um, somewhere. Um, I've I still got camera, um in my team, uh, not Chris. Um, and he's, uh, he's only 4.5, so he would just be another bench warmer. But the final host um, I want to talk about in my team is um, is uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, out goes um, Anatovic um, with a you know, brilliant 12-pointer for me. But he's also got a knock. And I thought, uh, with the top fixtures for West Ham um, upcoming, they've got uh, Chelsea, Manchester United up next for its Brighton and then Spurs. Um, I thought, yeah, better get rid of him. And uh, bring in uh, Mitrovic, um, save an extra 0.2. Uh, with this move, bringing in um, a man with four goals so far. Um, and uh, he's also second for goal attempts as well, just behind the grey with 20 so far,
1: full forwards. Yeah, I think he's a he's a decent buy. Uh, this week, I'm looking, if I do want to bring Hazard in, it would be Aubameyang out, and then one of Mitrovic and Zaha. Right, it, it would maybe, I, I would be considering Arnautovic, but it looks like he's a little bit injured at the moment. So There's between the two of them, Fulham have got Watford, Everton, Arsenal, Cardiff, Bournemouth and Huddersfield. That's a fairly decent run of fixtures, to be honest. And as you said, he, he is shooting on sight at the moment, it's and it looks like he's al- he's also above the 20% ownership mark, so if he gets another goal, he's looking like one who is look- likely to explode in terms of ownership for that kind of price bracket, so I completely understand that. Um, he and Zahara both um, at the moment, I think, occupying talisman status for their teams to some extent, and uh, it's a really tough choice between the two of them, isn't it? And I think that maybe you're right with Mitrovic and maybe you're right that you know he is the focal point of everything that, that his team do. Zahara is looking like a five point specialist at the moment, getting yellow cards. But like he can't seem to stop reacting if he's provoked. Yet he seems to be also be the guy who makes a difference. Uh, For Crystal Palace, like famously at the, uh, I I think it's the last eighteen months or so, they haven't won a game when he's not been in the team. Haven't got a point, yeah. (laughs) Haven't haven't got a point, yeah. Haven't got got anything when he's not been in the team. And Crystal Palace's next four fixtures, and and, they've got there's an international break between game weeks eight and nine. The next block of three: Newcastle, Bournemouth, and Wolves. I mean, Wolves are probably a, is probably a tough fixture, uh, but Newcastle and Bournemouth are, are fairly decent fixtures. So you know, it's quite a tough choice between the two of them. I can see why you've gone for for rich at the moment, just because he's that a little bit cheaper, uh, which means that people may, if he does, but if he does score again, uh, people may jump on him very quickly.
0: Yeah, there's a few other options out there. There's Danny Ings at Southampton, but he's ineligible for the next game against Liverpool. But he's quite kindly priced as well, at five point seven. There's um, and he's third for goal attempts as well for forwards. There's Raul Jimenez um, at Wolves. He's fourth for goal attempts with 17. He's only 5.5. And um, we talked a lot about Wolves earlier on in the pod. i um, not sure if I'd want to necessarily triple up, even though he's he's very kindly priced. And, um, you know, there's obviously Callum Wilson as well. But I'm covering Bournemouth with, um, with Fraser. I forgot to mention earlier, actually, another player who's playing as a forward is another 4.5 million midfielder uh, Danny Ward of Cardiff who um, could be another option as a fifth midfielder certainly one to watch out for
1: yeah I mean they're, they're a pretty horrendous short term aren't they I mean they've got a uh, Man City, uh, Burnley, Tottenham and uh, the next three and none of which promise points for 4.5 that is worth the pump yeah I'm not too sure whether you know it, there's any better than having Hoiberg there for 4.4 With Jimenez, I mean, I watched the Portuguese national team Wolves the other day, and uh, they were okay, but Jimenez looks very wasteful at the moment. I don't know whether it's the case he's finding his feet whether he's gone to the Callum Wilson School of Finishing and you know, he famously tripped over his feet uh, against West Ham when he was four on goal. Um, so maybe it's the case that if they had a better strike there, he would convert, or maybe he's just kind of finding his feet and he, he would ev- eventually come through. But sounds like a good wild card. Nick sounds like it's going to see you well into the value of the game weeks beyond. But let's take a break there then and, uh, and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and uh, this is our features section. Um, we're going to start off with market forces. This is our section where we use FPL NTI data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. And um, Nick, you're the man over the data, back over the Messer. Can you tell us what's going on at the moment in the market? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to take
0: a, an attempt to code, decode the NTI this uh, this game week and see what's going on in the market forces. So top of the charts is Aidan Hazard. Um, I've talked a little bit about him. He's in my wildcard team unbelievably he's already had um, 280,000 transfers in so far he's also had a price rise he's now up to 10.8 so um, looks like he's he's on the rise and will continue to rise lots of managers bringing him in on the back of that hat trick Um, they've got West Ham up next as well West Ham's been um, one of the leakiest defence so far this season so you know, everyone's jumping on that hazard bandwagon. Um, it was inevitable. The guy hasn't actually uh, played a game where he hasn't got an attacking return so far this season. The only um, the only player in the game to, to manage that so far. So Aiden has now on 47 points, which is more than any other player as well. You know, I've talked about Sarri and what Sarri said about him. And it seems churlish not to get on
1: that bandwagon, Tom. Oh, I've got a similar history to you of Eden Hazard. In fact, infamously last year, whilst very drunk in Hong Kong, um, I brought in Eden Hazard and captained him away at West Ham, and he got me nothing. Whether history repeats itself, I mean, obviously this year with Ryan Fraser, um, who we're about to talk about in a second, um, things have gone a little bit better. So maybe it's the case that I do it. I mean, we'll talk about this at the very end, but the question is whether I remove Aubameyang now or still keep keep faith in my big cash cow because he's the guy who would need to go. Um, but the ownership is definitely ratcheting up. Uh, the threat to my my rank is ratcheting up as uh, as Hazard gains more owners. And if he does something against West Ham, then it might be quite difficult. The only problem is with Chelsea um, is that after that West Ham fixture, things get a little bit more difficult. Uh, they've got Liverpool in game week seven. They've got Southampton where in game week eight. And they've got Man United at home in game week nine. And, um, so it's three quite um, indifferent fixtures after the West Ham fixture, which is arguably a little bit easier. But they are on a high now, West Ham, after the last game. And some of it is down to the fact of whether, as we mentioned, whether he does adopt a new position, a new goal-scoring role under Sarri or not. To me, at the moment, watching him, it does seem like he is a little bit different from leading the Hazard of Old. There is a little bit of end product there, which is a little bit threatening to somebody like me who doesn't own him. And I don't know but how long I can stick my head in the sand and think, well, he's not going to come in for me. I, f- I think at the moment there there is a little bit of kind of fidelity in the idea that he should be the, the transfer in for me this week, although it would be a minus four. It may be worth doing that just to cover my flank. But I mean, we mentioned Ryan Fraser a second ago. Um, surprising that he's only had 50,000 less transfers in the Eden Hazard, hasn't he? Uh, 226,000 people have seen enough from the Scottish Messi have brought him in. I wonder how many people Nick, their are, uh, are people who have sold him and are buying him back in anger.
0: Yeah, obviously he, he was a doubt for the the game, so a lot of people did sell him and go and got punished for it. And now everyone's uh, jumping on him again. Um, you know, I've obviously got him in my wild card. I mentioned that he's top for big chances created um, out of all midfielders with six so far. Um, he's scoring goals as well. Um, you know, they got a couple a few decent run of fixtures yeah it, it makes sense to bring him in at his price bracket uh but the players being sold though number one is is Mo Salah um he's had over 150,000 uh, transfers out so far um 153,000 transfers out so far are you surprised by that Tom
1: no, definitely not. I think at that price point, particularly, they've got those difficult fixtures to come, despite the fact they've got the Southampton fixtures up next. They've got the Champions League fixtures interspersed with very difficult fixtures. And the fact is that this year, he's not living up to last year. I can definitely see the argument that people are making um, in terms of the, the no-salah crew. Uh, that Last year, he was £9 million and that was definitely a must-own given what he ended up doing this year at 13 million is he a must own for the output he's a must own perhaps for the statistical output and the promise that is there but is he a must own in terms of what he's actually registering the scores he's posting in FPL so far I don't know I don't really think so I'm kind of stuck with it at the moment because I haven't got a wild card anymore but at the same time that 13 million for a lot of people is looking very juicy and I've seen a lot of fantastic teams which have Uh, accommodated by the fact they don't have Salah they've got Mane and they've got three million spare to splash around elsewhere and so I completely understand it ahead of Southampton would I be selling him probably not um after Southampton does nothing I'd probably be looking to sell him to be honest if he's not able to uh, carry on the promise like if he is just another run-of-the-mill premium midfielder rather than the king as he was last year, there's definitely something there in the idea that you should be selling him on. So I'm not really too surprised that a lot of people have lost patience given the price point. Yeah, for sure. And obviously this season it's slightly different. Um, we
0: saw at the end of last season the idea of selling Salah wasn't wasn't possible for most of us because we had so much um, value tied up in him at, at the moment. Um, no one has any value tied up in him at all. So you can sell him and you can buy him back the next game week without you know losing a penny as long as you don't over reinvest your funds elsewhere if you're on a wild card for example but it is possible to sell him and buy him back possibly even for cheaper than what you sold him for actually because of the fact that it looks like he's potentially going to fall the other player being heavily sold is a uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan with over 130,000 transfers out um I know that you sold him prior to um this game week which seemed like a brilliant decision um in the end, because obviously um, a lot of people did own him and and were cursing, saying, "Why is this guy still in our teams?" The man being brought in for the same price is, is Lucas Moura. Um, he's had ninety seven thousand transfers in. And he's playing ninety minutes for Spurs week in week out. He's already got three goals and assist. us Mikaterian's not even, you know, he's not even starting at the moment. He's only getting the odd minute here and there. It's a nice one pointers for those that own him
1: who then miss out probably on Wamba nine-pointers from the bench as well. People have said that probably the best Arsenal lineup up may be Torreira and Ramsey in the midfield, kind of double pivot. Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Aubameyang and then Lacazette up front. The issue is, is that a lot of the time you have a manager who's a systems manager. Unai Emery is a system manager. He plays a 4-3-3 and it looks like Mkhitaryan is the odd man out there um, and that that seems to be the way it is and uh, I wanted to get rid of him just because I thought, well, with with Theo Walcott potentially being fit, with Ryan Fraser potentially being fit, Mkhitaryan looks like one of those players that is a bit of a running sore in your team, and you've got to stop the rot as soon as you can. With Mkhitaryan, I thought, well, you know, I've made 0.1, I'm going to get rid of him. And uh, luckily enough, he only got one point. It wasn't really a brilliant decision, though, because I only made one point on, uh, on Pedro. <laughs> um, but... Either. yeah, I'm happy to have gotten rid of him. I'm, I'm not too surprised by the fact that people are looking at Ryan Fraser and freeing up money or looking at kind of just paying the extra little 0.2 to get Lucas Moura and given the next free pitch to the Spurs, even though it's a little bit dicey with the... Uh, with the, with the Champions League interspersing those fixtures. I'm not uh, the sixth player on the list as well. Um, I mean, we've got Lukaku being brought in by 75,000 people. Uh, but to accommodate that, what I am surprised by, as a final kind of talking point of the market forces, is is the guy who's number six, which is Kun Aguero. He's been sold by over 60,000 managers now, Nick. Uh, I don't know whether people are kind of just led by the flags. I don't know whether you said at the very beginning that maybe... Players are recovering quicker than ever. Maybe it's the fact that FPL are more, tri- more flag-happy than ever. Um, but it, it definitely does seem that people have looked at that and just gone, right, well, he might be injured for, for Cardiff, so I'm going to get rid of him. But to me, that, sounds, that seems like an absolutely crazy move uh, without knowing anything else. And you know, the, the, the news coming out today on Twitter from, uh, from Jose Hayer seems to be that he's avoided serious injury. I mean, what do you make of people selling Aguero now? That's, that seems a bit mental to me. Yeah, it does seem a bit
0: early. It seems like uh, people are jumping on the Lukaku wagon. Um, Lukaku's now got four goals. Um, he's got three in his last two. Um, and he's got um, decent fixtures Wolves, West Ham, Newcastle up next. You know, but Aguero does have those good fixtures. And he's obviously got the yellow flag, which I guess is what people are looking at thinking, oh, I better sell him. But um, like I mentioned earlier on the pod, um, when we talked about. Importance of team value. That's a, It's not a sensible um, transfer to make at this stage. It could easily be Aguero's fit for the weekend. Lukaku picks up a knock in the midweek fixture. Um, it might be that these Manchester United fans who are say, right, you know, one of our players is finally performing. I'm going to get rid of this City asset and bring in a United asset. I don't. I don't really know, but um, yeah, it doesn't make too much sense uh, to me that particular transfer. I, you know, I'm I'm definitely holding on to Aguero for now, even though I'm on my wild card yeah you're free to choose your own
1: path but it's not one it's not a path i choose no that no, definitely makes sense right uh, let's move on to the zombie league nick this is where we check up on the progress of our shambling zombies um in our teams run by unspecified family members this is our no chips no transfers no changes league and uh obviously it's closed new entries because we are a little bit deeper into the season um uh, just a quick shout-out here to Jamie Russell, who tweeted the saying that he checked on the zombie team and found he had Arnautovic captain and Kepa Weiss, he meant to do Salah and Kun. Um, at the time, last week, he, he was a bit despairing, but I'm guessing this week, after a golden and 12 points for Arnautovic, he's pretty happy with what the zombie team has come out with, and that's the beauty of uh, what can happen with one zombie team. This week, how have you done in terms of your zombies, Nick? Pretty poorly, to be honest.
0: Um... <laughs> Managed, managed to get 31 points in total. Um, I've got a little bit of an injury crisis uh, developing. Uh, Michael Keane's ruled out for a fair while, so he's not playing. Mendy didn't start either. Um, and then just lots of players sort of coming off the bench for one-pointers as well. The likes of Eric Bailly and uh, Riyad Mahrez. Um, I think Eric Bailly played one minute for the second game week in a row. Um, um, Solar was my captain. He only got two points. Uh, four in total um, and Alcovich sort of the only one that sort of registered real returns he got 12 points and then um, I got um, an assist from Anthony Knocka off the bench as well so he got four points but you know um, it's, it's not looking too great for the zombies if, if
1: we're going to be honest how about yourselves yeah, I mean, my drone hosted actually okay uh, this week after the fact that there's a certain Shane Duffy coming off the I bench. Got Shane Duffy again? Yeah, really? yeah, I've got I've got him in both oh, God. and my zombie team, and um, because uh, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, uh, Pascal Gross uh, didn't play, uh, so Duffy's off the bench. Uh, I had Edison who kept a, a miraculous clean sheet. I've never I haven't seen that from Man City player for a while, and he also got free saves. What? Um. No, Ashley Young, who delivered an assist, away against his old club. Um. I have Ricardo Pereira, who got another assist. There, uh, Christian Eriksen or Bam Yang, assist captain, and uh, Firmino, um, who got got a goal and got all three bonus Liverpool. Uh, De, De Bruyne and in the gross I said didn't play so Duffy's off the bench but um Kearney ends a whore on my other two benches so it's a 10 man week but it's looking like a 57 it's look, looking like I'm gonna uh do okay in our zombie league but it's worth just mentioning a few a few uh characters in our zombie league uh, a few uh, people have woken up it looks like a few zombies have woken up so I'll definitely be removing those um the first at the moment is Navin Sapkota with At Blue Care Free, 87 points this week. Eden Hazard is his captain for the season, uh, 40 points from Eden Hazard. Um, Arnautovic, King, Aguero, um, and he also gets, believe it or not, uh, Wan Bissaka and Kennedy off the bench. So that actually might be a 90- 90 Ninety-seven, ninety-eight point week, which is pretty damn ridiculous for a zombie team, which is pretty damn good. Um, in second we've got a Doctor Mister. In third we've got Uzo Chia. Fourth we've got Glenn Hamilton, and fifth we've got NP. Um, these are all obviously before the before the leagues are updated because we're recording this uh, just after the Southampton Brighton game.
0: They're FPO Dead Eleven, still doing uh, relatively well there in the top ten as well with fifty-eight points this game week. So, uh, yeah. They're looking pretty decent um you know my zombies are sort of stuttering forward a little bit I've dropped um, to 703rd now in the league uh, but yeah um, we'll continue to update you guys in terms of how how they get on for the whole of the season.
1: Cool. Uh, and the fun thing to catch up on this week is the All England team. Uh, this is where we celebrate the three lines achievement back in the halcyon days of summer at the World Cup. We're running a team from start to finish with solely English players. So they got 58 minus four. Um, which is pretty, pretty decent, actually. We took a minus four this week. We brought in Bennett, Ward, and Vardy. Uh, Bennett and Ward are like the best kind of English uh, cheap options. ward got the nod over Billing uh, just because uh, he looks a little bit further forward, as Nick inferred earlier on. Um, out went Morrison, Sessignon, and Austin. And, uh, yeah, things things weren't too bad. Uh, we had points from Bennett, we had points from Walker at the back, uh, Raheem Sterling with retained the captaincy and scored a goal to make it 3-0, which is pretty damn decent. Um, we had uh, James Madison scoring a penalty. And up front, we had uh, we had Josh King, uh, who came in with 11 points, which is pretty damn decent as well. Unfortunately, Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy, the England duo up top, didn't do anything. And we also had Trent Alexander-Arnold on the bench. Uh, with uh, Ryan Bertrand getting the one point this evening um, but they're not doing too badly it looks like they're going to uh, they're going to find themselves in the top 1.5 million after after this performance um, and we're kind of hoping to be able to push them forward and make them into you know not so much of a, of a gimmick as, as, as otherwise might be um, but yeah not too bad a performance and uh, hopefully they're going to keep pushing on. Yeah for sure I mean They really need Harry Kane to start smashing
0: it. I think he's probably going to be the captaincy option for the next few game weeks. And if if their differential Kane can start scoring big, then they could see themselves rapidly uh, climbing up the ranks.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's going to be between him, uh, Kane, uh, Vardy's got Huddersfield at home. Uh, Kane's got Brighton away, and Sterling's got Cardiff away. So it's going to be quite difficult to decide who the captain going to be. Um, maybe I'll be looking at Jamie Vardy actually for Huddersfield at home. All right? Um, Should we take a break, though, Nick? and Then move on to our questions. Who got the assist? Who got
0: the assist? So we're back, and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. So top of the league, Andrew McKinnon with being on it. And, uh, yeah, he, he got a triple-figure score there with 101. Um, he has wan Saka coming off the bench for Mendy. But guess who else he's got on his bench, Tom? Ryan Fraser. He's got an 18-pointer sitting there on the bench because he chose to play Neves and Mane. So it's just, that's a brilliant score with 101 points and taking a hit. but. To have an uh, 18-pointer player on your bench as well is is quite painful uh, because it could have been easily 119. But saying that, he's up to 148 in terms of overall rank, really pushing um, the top guys. I think it might be even higher because it's actually not um, properly refreshed as of yet. But, you know, he's got all the key men. He's got um, Hazard Captain. He's got Madison, um, Danny Ings, and Altovich Edison, Aguero, Um, He's also got Manet and Alonso who blanks, but he's got uh, Ryan Bennett, six points. So, uh, yeah, really good, really good week for Andrew McKinnon there. Um, Just running through quickly the top five, even though it's it's possibly going to refresh. So, sorry if we've missed you. Uh, We've got some guy um, with Hello Always Cheating. um, He got 82 points uh, this game week. uh, Jacob Smith, Waistcoat United, currently on 83. And Arul Ravindran with Uruguay, um, got 82 points as well. And uh, taking the mickey, Ray Hamill, um, got the mickey taken out of him there, uh, but with a 70-pointer.
1: Yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, mean, everyone's doing quite well. And I think these will kind of, uh, throughout the course of the season, will try to do these one or two pods after everything is updated. Um, But at the moment, it looks like a lot of these players are doing really, really well, especially Andrew McKinnon. I mean, uh, that's looking like he may well make the top 100 after that kind of output, especially those guys off the bench. He got very unlucky with Ryan Fraser uh, playing Nevers over him. Uh, but I guess given the kind of the injury worries, that kind of makes sense. But uh, well done, everybody. Very, very good. And Andrew particularly for captioning Hazard. All right, right, uh, let's move on to our questions then. The first one is pain in the Arsenal. Uh, Mr. WP and Andrew Martin ask about their Gunners assets Um asking what they do about Mickey Monreal and Aubameyang. Nick, I don't believe you have any Arsenal players, do you?
0: No, I don't have any Arsenal players. I um, haven't owned one all season. And I'm quite glad that I haven't haven't, to be honest. Instead I've been, you know, falling around with Everton players, but <laughs> Arsenal um they've got Everton up next, uh, which uh, you know, after watching Everton perform, I was still um, I was still trusting the attack in the Arsenal um, attackers to, to get some points, possibly another six or seven pointer for Aubameyang. who he seems to be sort of king of the, the six pointers at the moment, doesn't he? With the odd assist or the odd goal, but um, nothing too explosive. Uh, Mikaterian, if you own him, I think he definitely has to go. Um, in terms of defenders as well, they haven't been particularly impressive uh, defensively. Uh, checks. um, you know, he, he's been a bit rusty so far, a bit unreliable. And, um, you know, I think it was on match of the day, they were talking about Bellerin and Monreal. They they, they both um, have really good... They're both really good attackers, um, you know, but they kept leaving um, their defence exposed when um, teams catch them on the counter-attack. And uh, Mustafi made a couple of mistakes as well. looked a little bit shaky in that last game. And um, they're lucky, I think, to get away with the win. So I think it's a tough one because... Um, you know they they can smash it on occasion. Their fixtures are pretty decent still. They after Everton, they've got Watford, Fulham, Leicester, Crystal Palace. But um, is there space for an Arsenal player in your team when you've got you know when you're we're all trying to fit in the City boys and the Spurs Spurs boys and the Chelsea and Liverpool boys as well?
1: I'm not I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure if they're worth it really. I mean for me, Mkhitaryan is a sell at the back. Are you gonna be buying Monreal? Probably not. Are you gonna be able to sell him on for Doherty and free out one million? Yes, you are. Are you gonna do that? Probably. Um I own I own Aubameyang at the moment, and he's looking like Obama cash cow uh, to me right now. The only thing is that I think this is going to happen every week, Nick, that I'm always going to be thinking, oh, you know, he's got an okay fixture now. I mean, uh, up until game week 10, they've got Everton, Watford, Fulham, Leicester and Crystal Palace. So, five pretty good fixtures. Well, Bambiang, as you said, he's basically turned into a deluxe Jamie Vardy, hasn't he? Six points a game, that seems to be what he can do. Um but for ten point nine, is he is he justifying that price tag? As of Mozilla, probably not. The main striker at the moment is is Lacazette, who's nine point four. That is one point five less than Aubameyang. Hmm. Things are looking very difficult for him. I mean, there's a way of framing the data, which is that over the last two game weeks, he has returned 13 points. But the reality is, if you watch Arsenal play, if we look at what he's returning at the moment, it's not commensurate with the price tag. I backed him heavily pre-season. Doesn't seem to quite have worked out. It's just whether I think that next week because everton looks so poor against west Ham, whether he may show up and may do what we think he's going to be able to do based on the stats that we've got which are that he does score a goal every two games he does convert to a very very high ratio and there is the possibility that he's going to explode and that is that is going to happen all the time you had that a few years ago didn't you of eden hazard that there was always a game coming when he wasn't doing anything there was always the next game which looked like it was going to be a good game whether i keep him i'm not too sure. We're going to keep him this week. Well, Eden Hazard, if, if the ownership pri- uh, ticks up, I'm probably going to look at probably buying him in, to be honest. For me, with Arsenal, it's quite tricky at the moment. And I think you can happily at the moment not worry about them because the ownership is low enough on all Arsenal players that if they do anything, it's not going to affect your overall rank. Like, if you don't own a Hazard character, then it's going to probably be quite difficult for you. If you don't own a and does something, it's great if you do own it. But if you don't it's not like uh, it's still sweet water for you so I think of, I think that at the moment it's not uh, imperative to own an arsenal player and it's looking like at the moment with the money you can free up to, to remove them to cheaper alternatives it might be worth kind of getting rid if that is by Friday what seems the most logical solution. So uh, staying in North London, uh, the next question is uh, is about Spurs strategy. Uh, so one for you, Nick, perhaps. Emma in EU asks, what will Spurs do uh, with the Champions League fixtures coming up in terms of the players who are going to play? I think this is an interesting one because a lot of people have Lucas Moura. Um, A few people probably have Kieran Trippier as well, um, as we've noted a few times because of his World Cup performances. He's very highly owned, isn't he, Tripp? At the moment, his ownership is 25%, which seems pretty ridiculous, to be honest. Um, What do you think they're going to do during the Champions League, Nick? How do you think it's all going to work? Like, is the uh, Brighton, Huddersfield and Cardiff next? Are Huddersfield and Cardiff prime Aurier territory with Trippier ke- uh, playing in the Champions League, or is uh, no, there going to be some game time for for these player uh, for Trippier and and the other Spurs players as well, like Lucas Moura? Blah blah blah.
0: I think you'll definitely see Aurier play.
1: Um,
0: you know, he'll be rotated. Uh, Trippier will have his rest. Aurier will come in. Aurier will probably play in the league um, a couple of games, possibly maybe only one, but there will be some game time for him. So there is that risk um, with Trippier, if you, you are looking at him as an a way into the Spurs Spurs defence. Obviously he's very attacking and um you know, he's, he scored, he's got an assist as well so far. Um he he looks pretty decent. I think we'll see Ben Davis um, get some game time as well. Seems like Danny Rose now seems to be the first choice for the big matches, is what we've noticed, but you know, Ben Davis is um, you know, a decent asset. He's he's five point eight, but I think there is that risk with those first fullbacks that you will see Poc rotate. So if you want to play it safe, maybe just go for Vetonium, but then there's there's like likelihood of them attacking returns. I think um going forward a little bit, you've got um Hung Min Sons obviously back now, um from sort of um, the Asian games Um, so that gives uh, Spurs an extra option Eric Lamella's fit as well so there is the risk that um, you'll see the likes of um, Mora also rotated a little bit as Pock tries to give his players a rest Um, Harry Kane is the one that's most in need of a rest it seems He, he looks absolutely knackered we're not seeing the same Kane as we have seen last season unfortunately but um, whether he gets that rest is another question. He, he's the player that Pock likes to play in every single game. Um, he doesn't have much faith in Llorente. Maybe, maybe Son will play a game as a number nine. Um, Deli Ali is also injured at the moment, so we'll see lots. Um, we'll see lots of game time for all those players. But I think um, I think the fullbacks are probably the ones okay. most likely to to be rotated at some point. Um, I don't have any Spurs players in my wildcards, and I am worried about. Then with those fixtures, you know, Bryson, Huddersfield, Cardiff West Ham, it doesn't get better than that in terms of fixtures next for an X4. Um, but it's just it's just tough trying to fit them in and and they don't seem in, in the best of form
1: either at the moment, either. No, definitely not. But what is interesting is uh, is is your man, Christian Erickson. Uh, Nick. So he's in the top three for chance for attempts. He's had 15 attempts. Obviously, the majority of them have been outside the box, as so we've noticed in the past. He is a noted pot shotter. He's also uh, in the top three for chances created with 11. For whatever reason, at the moment, Spurs aren't quite firing. And I think the reason is that Harry Kane looks like he's been shot in the leg of a shotgun, doesn't he, really? Um, but if they do start to, for whatever reason, start firing, then Christian Eriksen, I think, is going to be the centre of all that. He is the man. Now, he and Dele Alli, the like moment is a little bit injured, but the two of them look like the two who would be playing every game with Heung uh, Min, Lamella and Lucas Moura being kind of a supporting cast around them. The 9.3, could Eriksen be a decent shout? Those are four very good games, as you say, and it could be the case that If you want to get ahead of the curve, you may be looking at Christian Eriksen and thinking, well, the stats are there for him to really, really explode. Like if he gets an assist and one of the long shots flies in, then suddenly you've got a double figure return for that game week. Whether he'll be able to do that consistently is a different story. But he's always there and always able to do that. It's just whether his withdrawn position now um, is is able to really lead to points, and whether that's something that you're going to be really thinking about. I just don't know. I'm happy to go without Spurs players at the moment, but Christian is probably be the one that I still am thinking. Well, perhaps he might be worth a punt if I do get rid of Bo Salah, or if I do want to get rid of Aubameyang and have a have a premium midfielder in there. Yeah, I think the problem with Eriksen, obviously he is a great asset. He is pretty much nailed on as
0: well. But um, the problem is obviously his price and uh, 9.3 million. I don't see how I can fit him in. You know, I've got David Silver in, who'd probably be the full guy, but I'd have to find an extra 0.9 million from somewhere. And that that would be really tough. You know, maybe I'd have to uh, sort of downgrade to Mitrovic to... To Raúl Jiménez, perhaps as a way of funding a move like that. I think um, when you've got Mora at seven point one, um, you get to save an extra two point two million pounds. And Mora started the season very brightly. Um, I think I perhaps um, you know prefer to go for the cheaper option if I was to, to pick a Spurs player at this moment in time.
1: Like, what, what do you think the strategy is going to be then? In terms of they've got they've got Inter and they've got Barcelona in the Champions League, straddling fairly easy fixtures. Like, how do you, Pochettino is going to um, going to line up for those fixtures? And should we be worried if you do have a Spurs player?
0: I think I think for the next game, he's probably going to play a full-stroke side. To be honest, um, I think that he's probably wanting because because he's lost two games on the bounce in the league he's not going to want to lose a third so he'll he will play his his full strength team if they win against brighton um then they've got the i think it's the league cup after that so it might be the case that um he plays the b team in the league cup and then uh continues to play a full strength in the huddersfield one um full strength in barcelona and then maybe a break in for the cardiff game i don't know or maybe he'll. He'll play the B team again for H- Huddersfield, but um, we'll we'll see we'll see. I think it, there will be rotation in a number of the positions, and he'll he'll attempt. It's not really an A team and a B team with Spurs. I think you know I've said before that the fullbacks are quite obviously Trippier seems to be the first choice, but the fullbacks are quite evenly matched on the left left hand side, and with the likes of Son and Mora, you know, there's not really necessarily
1: a first choice
0: or a second choice,
1: and there either. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think that, that you need to have a bit of caution with a Spurs player and make sure you've got a strong bench. The old adage that you're always going to have rotation, so it's worth having two bench players. I mean, we both kind of failed at that in recent times, me particularly with having, you know, Kearney and Cameron. Um, But at the same time, if you are going to invest in a Spurs player, you've got to have the. Uh, do it in the full knowledge that eventually you are going to have that bench player coming off the bench, or you're going to have a Mkhitaryan situation where Lucas Morris starts getting one point where, which is not going to be the best. Um, but it's worth injecting your team with that cortical fluid of having that person to come off the bench if required, if you do have a player who work for whatever reason doesn't show up. Great. Um, next question then, Nick, uh, where have all the cleanies gone? Uh, Ian Wilson um, asks if we will see a return of the clean sheets due to the fact that not very much happened this week in the defensive uh, defensive quarter. Right, do we think things are going to change? Do we think the uh, game's going to become a bit more predictable or do you think it's going to go the other way and teams team's going to be a bit more tired and we are going to see uh, more goals per game and defenders are going to be two-point merchants or, in the case of Shane Duffy, as we saw tonight, we're going to be relying on their attacking uh, attacking intent. Remember last season, for example, we started the season, didn't we, looking at Fullback. So we had Alonzo, we had Ben Davis. Like these players were like essential to our teams. I and mean, then as we moved forward for the season, it was the centre backs who suddenly gained a lot of prominence. Right? They became the players that we were looking at because they were like goal scoring centre backs. Like uh well not Shane Duffy, but you know Lewis Dunk and Duffy were both very high on the attempts. Cr- attempts. Um, you had uh, you had Mike Smalling. That's yeah, right. a big Chris Smalling, a big Mike Smalling, who you were, you were for quite a while, memorably. Do you think the clean sheets going to come back, Nick, or do you think it's the case that things are going to uh, become a lot more unpredictable as we move forward and we're going to start moving money forward in our teams? I think Premier League's always going to be unpredictable. I think, um, obviously,
0: this season... Um, Specifically, there's been some really good options in terms of attacking fullbacks. Marcus Alonso was around last season, but he's started this season really brightly. Um, Chelsea have kept a few clean sheets, and Chelsea Chelsea are a team that's always good money for a clean sheet. Um, and Alonso, I think he, he's potentially a season keeper. We'll have to see. Uh, Mendes looks brilliant as well. Um, hopefully, he's not too badly injured. Uh, and Robbo. Andrew Robertson at Liverpool and he start. he ended the season brightly. He started the season brightly as well. TAA's um slightly cheaper, so perhaps and um, that's something for me to think about as well. If I'm looking to bring in the likes of Ericsson, perhaps um then he could easily downgrade Robertson to TAA if I'm looking to save more money in the defense. But I think at the moment, the premium, despite the sort of the premium defenders blanking this week, I think they're still very much um it's very much to mezzo, isn't it, to,
1: to keep these guys in our teams? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I just think that every year we we always see that uh, we always see that in the in the beginning of the season that the defense is where it's all that. Like teams are still working working each other out. Goals are at a premium. And we all kind of think, oh, is this the year of the defender? Is this the year that we're going to be putting all the money at the back and then uh, sacking off the forwards? Is this the year where we go five, two, three? Because there's no value in the midfield or the strikers. Um, and eventually all the money does come forward because at the end of the day, those players are more explosive, whereas at the back always value because you're going to get kind of a six points, you can get a three points or a four points or something like that. We do see that people do favour the explosive returns of the midfielder. I'm not too sure whether we're going to lose clean sheets entirely. I don't think. I think that you are still going to see, for example, if if you do put yourself in the position of owning a Brighton, uh, Brighton defend this week. Obviously, is high in mind because and Duffy. But after Tottenham and Man City, uh, Brighton embark and, and on a fantastic run. And in game week eight and sixteen, they play no teams who were in the top six last year. And you've got to be thinking, well, if you can get yourself in the right position or own a player who is in that position to play a lot of fixtures who do look okay, then you're likely to get an assist, what, once every two and a half games or something like that? That just seems to be fairly decent to me, and that seems to be the way forward. I mean, the, the bigger teams are probably more likely to keep clean sheets than the smaller teams. With Man City, there's a little bit of an issue with them letting in the one annoying goal this, year, this week, it felt probably miraculous that Edison managed to keep the clean sheet. Prices are as they are for a reason. The premium defenders are likely to either get you a clean sheet or get you attacking points. And, and, that, and that's the way it, it, it should really be. You know, with Liverpool... They, they've they
0: been really defensively sound so far. They've really improved. I mean, obviously, Alisson made that one mistake. But besides that, um, they've only conceded two goals so far this season with Virgil van Dijk and then Alisson in the team. They look really solid defensively. So I'll be expecting lots of clean sheets from from Liverpool. They've got tough fixtures coming up a little bit. Uh, but I, I still think there's good good money in, in keeping um, the likes of Robertson in
1: your team or van Dijk if you own him. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And the final question, you mentioned Robertson already. Graham asks us, should we be looking at getting rid of Robertson? A lot of people have looked at him and gone, well, as you mentioned a second ago, TAA's five million. TAA got a clean sheet last week, obviously because he was subbed off. Um, but a lot of people are thinking, well, should we, should we be investing in, in Robertson uh, for the upcoming fixtures? Should we keep that investment in Robertson for the upcoming fixtures? So they're quite t- quite tough or is this time now to move our money forward. You mentioned Liverpool are uh, very very good defensively. Definitely true. Um, so they are top in terms of uh, the lowest big chances conceded with just two above them is Man City, Wolves and Bournemouth on four. But yeah, uh, definitely looks like Liverpool have solidified in the back and Robertson does look pretty integral um to that to them going forward and also in terms of you know, just defensively covering that flanker, so he's definitely improved his defensive game. What do you think about Robertson, Nick? Would you ever be considering getting rid of him? No. How would you count since it?
0: No, at the moment, I think. Um, I mean, so far he's got a points per game of six point eight, which is pretty decent, pretty damn decent. You know, he's averaging. I think we well, got eleven points in game week one, then and seven, then and nine, five, and it would have been another six pointer, possibly even bonus, had it not been for that late um, Eric Carmela goal. So Robertson um, has has been really good. He's been one of the standout stars. So far um, of the season, um, you know, he finished brilliantly last season as well with an 18-pointer. So, he, he, you know, his, his form is terrific. He doesn't really have a rival. You know, Alberto Marino is not going to be knocking um, on the door saying, um, you know, to Klopp or oh, I deserve a start. We sh- you should get rid of that Robertson guy and, and start me. It's, it's not going to happen. So I think um, he, he's, he's going to be nailed on in the league and continue to play week in, week out um yeah and uh you know Southampton at home you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kick him out the door right now um if they somehow lose against Southampton it's very unlikely then maybe I start thinking about hmm, you know Chelsea Manchester City up next do I need this guy in my team I don't know but um you know after that it's then Hazardfield and Cardiff so I probably want him back straight away um so yeah I think um you know, I'm very happy owning a Liverpool defender. I feel like, you know, if you don't have a Liverpool defender, Liverpool get a clean sheet. You're going to see an instant um, hit on your rank just because all, all the defenders, like Virgil van Dijk and, and TAA, are heavily owned as well. But, you know, there's I guess there's um, an argument that you could be saving a few pennies by downgrading to TAA or even Joe Gomez at 5.1. But uh, no, I don't think so for me. I think um, Robertson's the best asset out, out of all of them.
1: Yeah, he certainly looks very integral to them going forward. Okay, Nick, uh, let's talk about transfers and captains then. So you're on your wild card, so obviously your uh, your transfers are fluid and ever-moving. Uh, for me, I don't know quite yet. <laughs> I'm tempted to, it's definitely a quandary between whether I keep Aubameyang for Everton, as mentioned earlier, or I get rid of him for Zahar. And then I move Pedro and just give that up as a bad job and just buy Hazard. I just don't know, basically. And, uh, some of it may be down to the levels of ownership for Hazard. I know that sounds very boring, but this year I'm trying to j- just play logically rather than, as with last year, trying to play, with it, play to the gallery almost and, and, and do interesting moves, which never pay off. I just don't know yet. Uh, I think there's def- it definitely definitely like one of those weeks where it's a binary between either I leave it or take that minus four. If I leave it, I think my team is okay. I mean, I've just come off a seventy-plus point game week, Nick. Somehow, <laughs> so um, <laughs> maybe it's the case that I do leave it. Um, well, I'm not sure. Either way, the captain is going to be Mo Salah. um I'm best. I'm guessing there is going to be a oh, will Shakiri start and. Uh, whatever, by the end of the week. If Jurgen Klopp says in the press conference that we have other players who may play, that maybe <laughs> I'll be a bit worried. But I can't see past most of our captain. And a really interesting point, actually, if he doesn't play against Southampton, then he's got an 11-day gap until the next game because there's a, a League Cup game in the middle uh, between the Southampton game and the, and the Chelsea game. And Chelsea against the old club as well, so definitely on him for that. So with, does he need an 11-day gap between the two fixtures? Probably not. Like, later on in the, in the year, he probably might. But at this stage of the season, probably not. Like, I'm expecting him to play um, against Southampton, to be honest, and I'm expecting him to... Finally, realise what his stats seem to be suggesting he's going to score. Um, so it's going to be uh, most of our captain. I don't know whether I'm going to hold the transfer or take commands for at this point. What about you? yeah so obviously i've talked through my wild card uh,
0: as you said tom it's very fluid it's you know it might change so um we'll, we'll see what happens uh, by the deadline and yeah i'm thinking about captaining Salah as well i think uh, obviously those who are selling him it, it is a risk you know i'm hoping hoping for some violent delights from from salah this game week uh, and hopefully no violent ends um so yeah for me salah salah captain um the uh, bringing in the likes of Hazard, who's definitely another captaincy option. I think Aguero is another captaincy option as well. Way to Cardiff, but with um, with the doubt around him, I think Salah, for me, is just the standout option.
1: Right, there's a theme to every pod. Uh, last week, it was. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Andy Goodling got there first. Uh, well done, my friend. Just to say who we are again, we are Who Got The Assist, of course. Uh, you can find us online at whogotassist.com. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And our lead code is 516-441.
0: Yep. Um, so next game week we'll have a uh, Simon March on the pod, a, a celebrity of sorts, having won um, FPL a few seasons back and and appeared on the FPL show as well. So we're looking forward to to that. I'll, I'll be it'll be another sort of international pod as well. I'll be in Cyprus, so um, hopefully I'll have working Wi-Fi, meaning that I can connect and
1: and pods uh, with yourself, Tom and Simon next game week. Uh, we hope this sister you. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast with a lot of reactions from me by the sounds of it. Um, and we'll be back in game week six. We hope this assisted you going forward. Bye. 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 Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.